Welcome back to the Where You're Planted podcast. I'm your host, as always, Molly McManamy. I realize I think today is the 20th episode, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for me it does because my schedule is crazy and to even be able to record 20 of these is pretty impressive for myself. So happy 20th episode. I hope it really is and I'm not miscounting and it actually is the 20th episode. If not, then whatever day it is, we can celebrate the 20th again. Um, Today, I'm so excited about the guests that I have. Her and I recently connected. She is in Arizona, which is where I'm from. So we have that in common. She has worked in sports like me, so we have that in common. And something that I really admire about her is she actually not, I don't know if it's permanent, but for now in the time being has walked away from full-time sports, which is a really hard and admirable thing to do because uh, it's hard to get into. So once you're in, you're kind of in the bubble and for people to walk away from something like that, I mean, for many people, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. So it's hard to understand how anyone would do that. I'm just so impressed by it that she really um, has listened to what God has where God has led her, um, both literally by geography and in her life. So without further ado, I want to introduce Cheerston Susil. Hi, Cheerston. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. Did I say the last name right? You got it. <laughs> Perfect. We both have like kind of hard last names. So now that we've mastered the names, um, we can move past that. Um, I'm so excited to have you on. Like I said, in your little mini intro there, um, you used to work in sports media, which is a world that I am very um, intertwined in. And I know a lot of women in sports that happen to be in media. And so I know it is a serious grind. And like I said, I seriously admire you for being able to say this is not working and I'm going to pivot my life. But if you could just um, give more of an intro of what you were doing and and kind of bring people up to speed to where you're at now. Yeah, so I was in TV for eight years. I was a sports anchor, sports reporter, most recently for NBC Phoenix. And then I decided I was going to give it one more chance and take a job in digital sports media. Um, And so I was at a company for a short amount of time before I decided I was just going to walk away completely. I just really felt called... um, to, to do something else with my life and had some bad experiences, unfortunately, in the industry where I just felt like, you know what, I, I just don't know that I'm aligned right now. I need to take a step back and reevaluate some things. So uh, right now I'm in real estate and I also work with uh, coaching people how to be on camera mm. and I do a podcast as well. So I can never really and I freelance sports too. Like I can't really get away from it completely. <laughs> it's just a part of me, but stepping away from full time was definitely something I knew I needed to do. Yeah. And like I said, I know that's hard because you climb so long and so hard and high to get to those spots. And I'm sure the jobs that you just listed were somebody or are still somebody's dream jobs. And it looks so good from the outside. And I know from my experience in sports that it's not what it looks like. And it's one of the most challenging industries to be in because everyone does want these jobs. So these employers think that they can juice every little bit out of you because if you won't do it, somebody else will. Um, And I want to know, before we get to kind of where you're at now, in your time in sports and in the media and in that period of your life, 
what was what were some of the challenges that you faced or um, some of the obstacles you faced when it came to being a believer in that space? Because like I said, it is very like hustle and bustle and it can be counterintuitive to what us as believers are called to do. Um, so what are the some of the challenges that you faced and that you had to overcome while you were still working in there? Well, definitely the biggest challenge that I had to overcome was just get past the ego part of the industry because it's so me, 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 me. It's self-promotion. And I still I, I still feel like I can get caught up in that. And, and I have to think to myself, like, is this part of the job and what I do? Or am I just getting too caught up in it? And so you know, I think that for me was the most difficult part, but I started my career actually working for uh, Liberty University. I was their sideline reporter and I traveled the country doing stories and features on Christian athletes, Christian coaches, team chaplains. And that's how my career actually started. And from there, I was fortunate enough to be in markets and work for stations where I could be vocal about my faith and I could also share faith-based stories and I always would I would do a story and I'm like they're for sure not gonna let me air this like there's no way they're gonna air it this is like a full-blown <laughs> faith-based story and sure enough they would they would let me air it and so I would say you know I didn't feel like an outsider or felt feel like I had to hide my faith at any point in my career at all I just had to do a lot of checking in with myself and I'm a very flawed human being and I very much had have gone through periods of time where I got sucked into the idolization of yeah I'm on TV and look at me and and all the things that you know go into that yeah I mean I think though that that kind of speaks to you and you I give you credit because if you were in situations and in job spaces where you like you said it was almost surprising to you sometimes they let you air what you did um you probably before even getting to that point did the work of making sure you were working with people who you were aligned with and who at least made you feel comfortable enough to share those things and Maybe, yeah, you didn't think at the time you would be able to do like some some of the crazier faith based stories you did. But I'll give you credit because you likely sought out and were obedient and talked to God about those opportunities rather than just, you know, going to the first thing that came about and um, hoping that you can, you know, fit into that whatever that mold is that they wanted you to be at those spaces. Yeah, I also felt like I was, you know, obviously drawn to people who I knew had a faith background and that was maybe part of their story or their journey. And oh my gosh, I would love to tell this story. But I also found throughout my career that a lot of people sought me out, like saw my work and said, oh, she's the right person to tell my story because I didn't hide that aspect. So that was a really cool part, you know, working in a secular industry that I got to experience where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I get to tell this person's testimony or this person's story and air it on the news. And, you know, they sought me out and they felt comfortable enough that I would tell their story the correct way. And so many times it was just a, a total God story. I love that. And I'll pause because that's a very good lesson for people that when you walk authentically and you lead with that, the right people are going to seek you out. 
Like, I think even about this studio I'm in, the the way that I came about getting to know um, the owner of the studio who runs all my <laughs> podcast episodes is through people at the church. And I was excited about that aspect that he had attended my church and knew the pastors at my church and knew other people from my church. And I knew this was going to be a completely faith-based um, podcast. And so I wanted somebody that it, they didn't have to, it, it wasn't like totally a requirement, but it just made me feel better about sharing that stuff in this space. And so it's such a good lesson to not change who you are, hoping that that will help you get more people. And, you know, you and I have had a conversation on your podcast about the whole people pleasing aspect of things, but there's a lot of that in sports because we both, you were and I am in a situation or in, in spaces where we face a lot of rejection and the tendency can be to try to be what you think people want you to be and so that they'll choose you and that they'll like you and you don't have to face criticism. But when you do that, then you are potentially missing out on those those situations, like you said, where people seek you out. And I know we touched on it on your podcast, like the idea that if I were to do everything I think they want me to do, I would still have people that didn't like me. <laughs> so I might as well be exactly who I am. And so I know when people seek me out, like you said, it's for the right reasons and for who I really am. Yeah. And when you get caught up in that too, it's so easy to just lose yourself. You start to wrap your identity in all these different things and behave in certain ways to try and uh, you know, gain, you know, respect or whatever it may be that you're trying to gain from others, uh, a seat at the table or, and, and then you end up years down the road. And, you know, I've been guilty at the, of this at times too, where I've totally gotten away from what I'm aligned with, who I want to show up as, what kind of person do I want to show up as in media as well, just to please, uh, you know, a boss or something like that who wanted me to be something else. So I've definitely gotten caught up in it, but the, the, it's so dangerous because you're putting yourself at risk to, to really just lose yourself in the process. Let's talk about identity for a second, because I know I have thought about this idea that what if one day I woke up and God told me you're done being an agent I have had to come to peace with the idea that that would then not be my story. And that's so hard when it's like the dream you had your whole life or how, for how many ever years, did you go through any sort of identity crisis when you decided to step away? Because for so long, you probably introduced yourself as Cheerson, you know, title after that. Did you have to do some work with yourself and with God in that transition? massive amounts of work. In <laughs> fact, I'll, I'm going to call myself out and I still kind of do it. You, I would walk into a room and, you know, people would be like, Oh, you know, what do you do? And I would be like, Oh, I'm a sports anchor. And, and they would be like, Oh, that's so cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, so for a long time and I've gotten away, I've gotten away from it. I, I can tell people now, Oh, I'm in real estate. This is what I do now without prefacing it. But I would always say, well, um, I used to be a sports anchor, but now I'm this, so I could still attach that yes. to like who I, and I had to be like, Tierson, you got to knock that off. But it was so much a part of who I was. And I used that as like, you know, oh, well, this will impress people and, and, and the grand scheme of things. I mean, does anybody really care? But I know, but I, I, I can I totally relate. Title. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Literally. But I 
No, I was just going to say, like, it's just funny because, like, we all do it and no one actually cares. <laughs> like, the other people don't actually care. Nobody cares. So, yeah, I actually, and calling myself out a little bit more, though, too, had to really, really work. Like, in therapy, work on... And I didn't think it was going to be as difficult for me because I used to always say before I left TV, like, I don't even care about being on camera. Like, I would always say that. And so I felt like when I walked away, I I had no idea that I had my identity so attached to my career. And I had a point where even transitioning from, digi the, from the TV side to the digital side, where, you know, I went that whole time like being like, oh God, I'm no longer on TV. And then now that I've gotten out of the digital side and sports media uh, full-time, like as a whole, um, I felt like I was able to kind of like ease my way out of it. But I was shocked at the amount of time and the amount of work that I had to do and sit there and be like, I had no idea that what I was dealing with and how much I had wrapped my identity. And I was like, oh no, I don't care. And my identity is in, in God. And you know, like I'm good. I'm not one of those people. Oh, I sure was. <laughs> and that probably is a big part of why God has walked you through this because we, we all get caught and it's not just our jobs. Like you and I do, or you, you did. And I, I do have a job where like people are like, oh, that's so cool. And don't get me wrong, it is. But like we talked about earlier, it seems way more glamorous than it is. And at the end of the day, like I'm, I don't feel like it, it does anything really more for me than if I, you know, had a totally different job. Like when you really take a step back and you ask yourself, like, why do I like lead with that? And I even find myself like if I'm in a circle of people where they're all like impressive, I'm like, I need to make sure that they know that I do this for a living. So they don't think that I'm just like some random person and they respect me. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why do I need to do that? And thinking about that scenario where one day God might just be like, no, you're done. I've thought about the fact that I would be like, well, I used to be an agent. <laughs> it's like, even in this hypothetical, I'm doing what you said you were doing. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if that's going to be my, my reality anytime soon, but it's good to start thinking about it now and be like, okay, let me take a step back and really be at peace with this idea that if that happened, am I at peace? Like, am I really just putting my identity in God? Cause like you said, you can think it all you want, but and then in reality, you're like, no, my identity is in a lot more. Yeah. It's a, it was a big wake up call for me for sure. So you were in media or you, when you were in sports media, I know you were working in Tennessee and then you had like this burning desire to go back to Arizona so walk me through that situation because I really like this story and I think there are, it's a, there's a lot of lessons in this too and it's just a cool story but walk me through the time that you like what what made you realize okay I think I'm done here like was there something that happened did you just wake up one day and you just felt disconnected like what was that like through the time then when you got back to Arizona So I'll start with just explaining how the industry works a little bit. Um, you are signing two to three year contracts everywhere you go. And when you're in your smaller markets, kind of trying to grow your career, usually your mindset is that you're going to sign a contract, potentially a one year extension, if they'll allow that after your contract is up. 
but you go into it knowing I'm not going to be here long term for the most part. Sometimes it surprises you and you're like, Mom, I think I want to stay here. So my contract was coming up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I knew that I had given all that I possibly could to that market, to that community, to that job, and I was ready to move on from it. Um, and so I felt like when I started searching for what was next, just there was just this constant pull back to Arizona. I had been, you know, away from my family for a really long time. I love the state of Arizona. I went to school at Arizona State and, you know, working nights, weekends, holidays. I just wanted to be if, I, if I'm still going to do this, I, I want to be closer to my family. So I started making uh, contact with every team and every station here in Arizona and, you know, trying to cultivate those relationships. And there were no jobs there just weren't. And, it, and it really, what are there? Maybe 10 jobs, like job slots as a whole in this, in Phoenix, right. For sports media that, um, I could have filled. Wow. So that's such a uh, small number. <laughs> such a small, and like, that's probably on like the high end, to be honest with you. But it's like, talking about like in front of the camera yeah. and, and then also a role that I could fill, it's probably less. So um, there was one particular station that I kept coming back to. They were the sister station to the station I was at in Knoxville. So there was a connection there. And I had just met with this guy and he was like, everybody's under contract there. We don't have any jobs. I'd love to hire you, but there's, we don't have anything. Sorry. And so I felt, I felt like defeated, like, I feel like, God, you're calling me to Arizona, but you're not giving me an opportunity. Nothing's opening up. I've got no's across the board. Like I've exhausted every, uh, you know, every avenue that I could possibly exhaust. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm being called to Arizona for some reason. So I went and told my news director, hey, I just want to let you know ahead of time so that you can fill my slot. It was like, all, this was also unheard of. Like it was like three months before my deal was up and they weren't making me re-sign. So for me to say, hey, three months ahead of time, I'm, I will be leaving and you're not forcing me to tell you that. So my news director was like, you don't, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to like, you're like, you can just stay as long as you want till you find a job. Right. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Like, I'm being called back. And he was like, but you don't have a job. And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so I, I left his office and I was like, thank you for understanding. And, and I was just like, I, 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 I just, it's a God thing. And he was like, thankfully a Christian. He was like, you know what? It doesn't make sense to me, but I get it. If you change your mind, you're welcome to stay. I'll be praying for you. And I wish you the best of luck. Just know that like, you're always welcome here. And I left that being, but he just like also had this like look on his face, like you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're throwing away your career. You don't have a job lined up. Like, what are you doing? And, uh, so I, I walked out of his office though. And I was like, I think I made the right decision. And then two days later, I get an email from the news director at the station, the sister station saying, um, Hey, what's your contract situation like? And I got a job offer. So, so it, it was incredible. Yeah. So the first thing that I, I hear from that story is you, A, were, you listened. Like that's such a hard thing to do to really listen because we have this idea of how our life should go and the flow of it and what we want to do next. And we just always think our plan is superior to what God wants to do. And I don't think we ever think about that idea of like, 
oh, God would lead me somewhere without something lined up um, because that's scary. And we live in the world where our flesh is like, no, I need security. This is not okay. So first you were at least quiet enough to listen and then you were obedient and you said, I'm just going to do this. And then you surrendered. And that's like what God asks us to do all the time. And to be able to surrender like that without, like I said, a job lined up and to be able to kind of ignore the, the flesh's need for that security. I just imagine like, please God to the a millionth degree, because we see so many examples of that in the Bible. And it's kind of like that, like more historical, ancient, like trusting and having faith in God, like these people going into freaking lion's dens and, you know, walking into fires and going up mountains and stuff like you just don't really we don't really get asked to do that in our time. But that's kind of our version of it because it is so scary. Um, so what did you did that experience strengthen your faith and what else did you learn about God um, and your relationship with him in being just willing to say, I don't know what's coming next, but I trust you. And then him delivering so quickly after. I wish I could say that from that point on in every situation, I just surrendered and <laughs> trusted him that he knew best for my life. But that wasn't the case. I, I felt very much like this is God. I, I know that this is God and that in and of itself, when you have those moments, just sort of solidifies your faith. And so it definitely brought me closer to him. And it helped me in that moment, just know that like he has a plan and it surpasses our understanding, at, but he is always working behind the scenes. And so in that moment, I definitely had a taste of that, but I, you know, years after that have definitely been in situations where I have clenched onto things uh, whether it's relationships or other jobs, and I wouldn't let go. And God had to remove me from those situations. And it was in hitting rock bottom after the fact that I realized what I was doing and realized he had a better plan for me. But um, I would say I learned more out of the situations where I didn't let go and I didn't mm. surrender and yeah. had to learn the hard way because that's when you don't forget it. Yep. <laughs> Um, and, and, and to the, the season that I'm in right now, um, I, I, you know, I finally got back to the point where there's a lot of stuff up in the air. I've taken career paths, a, a path where, um, you know, you're not getting a, you, a, a paycheck every week from an employer, right? Like everything I'm doing now is all on my own. And right. so there's a lot of surrender and starting something completely new, uh, like real estate and the coaching stuff, like stuff that I've never done before. Uh, there's a, a lot of trust and a lot of surrender that's gone into it now, but I am only at that point, not because a few years ago I listened and got, got what I wanted. It was because the last couple years I wasn't listening and yeah. God had to remove me. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and when you don't listen, my, my favorite new phrase is you can let it define you or refine you. And it sounds like you're letting those those harder moments refine you. Did that experience, though, in leaving Tennessee for Arizona without a job, did that help you in this next decision you made to walk away from study sports media and kind of, you know, just bet on yourself and do the things that you feel called to do? Absolutely. I had I had this stirring in my heart that was so I mean, I could not 
shut it up. Like mm -hmm. I knew something serious is going on here. Like I am being pulled in a different direction as apparent as I could possibly be pulled. And so once I acknowledged that, I know that there's two things. I know that God's got me. He has always provided for me. He has always opened the right doors for me to walk through. And so it was part that, and it was part, you know, just knowing my work ethic as well, where it might not work out the way that I want it to, but I will not give up. And so my past experiences with allowing, uh, you know, God to direct my path and trusting him and he's every single time he's come through for me. And then also just knowing that I have a relentless aspect to my personality, those two things combined, I was like, you know what? I don't know how this is gonna work. And, and I'm past 30 and <laughs> gonna take a big risk because for some reason people think that like you gotta, once you've hit 30, you need to have like your career established and you're just keeping on that same career path and you can't yep. make any big changes. And so at this age, when I feel like I should have been established and like I should be going to the next level in broadcast media and I should be staying on this or not like, you know, quote unquote, like throwing that away. I felt like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I want to go after what I feel like God is calling me to do. I want to go after a life that I want to live, not just a career that's going to give me an ego boost and make me feel superficial, um, like fill me up superficially. I, I want to live a life that's purposeful. That's what God has for me. And that like, I feel like I wake up and I'm like, dang it, I'm in alignment. Like, this is a great feeling. And so I was like, just let's do it. Let's, I might fail, but like, I'll bounce back up. I failed before. <laughs> I There's so many things that I love about that. The first, and this is more practical, not like really godly, but this is just more like if there are, especially women, but anyone listening, but really women, because we really struggle with figuring out how to gain our confidence. And what I've learned is self-discipline and showing up and doing what you say you're going to do, speaking to your work ethic, like you said, and being relentless breeds self-confidence. And when you know that you're going to do whatever it takes to get something done and you're going to do the things that you promise yourself you're going to do, whatever that means, then you can feel confident walking into any season or anywhere that God sends you because you trust yourself. And if you were not a hard worker and you were not someone that you could rely on on your own, you probably wouldn't have had that same confidence to walk away because like you said, you're like, I'm relentless. And that's a truth that you've created about yourself because you have shown up for yourself time and time again and you don't give up. And so that's more like worldly, not not like biblical or anything. But I think it's important, especially like I said, for women to know that like confidence does not come from getting skinny and Botox and, you know, likes on Instagram and those things. Self-confidence comes from knowing that when I show up in a room, there are specific truths about myself that nobody can tell me are not true because I live it every single day. Whether that's I'm someone that goes to the gym every single day. I make my bed every day. It can be so simple as that. But you need to have truths about yourself by doing the things you promise to yourself. So that's the first thing that I loved about what you said on my uh my worldly soapbox there 
Um, hey, somebody's gonna get. Somebody needed to hear that aspect. <laughs> I know that somebody out there needed to hear it. They're gonna listen to it and be like, "I needed it's, that." <laughs> it's one of those things that I wish younger me could have heard because it's it's so um, it, it's it is kind of one of those like annoying things to hear because you're like, oh, so I actually have to do what I say I'm going to do. Like you're telling me that actually works. It's like when you eat healthy, you're like, oh, this actually feels good. Like this is annoying. <laughs> or like, oh, you do feel good when you go for a walk. You know, like the things that you're like, I wish it didn't, but it does. And it's so simple. The second thing is you talking about your ego. And you and I have talked about that before too. And sports is so egocentric and not, it's no one's fault, but especially with social media and, you know, thinking about the Super Bowl last week and the Pro Bowl before that and all the things that are happening kind of in my world right now, like the, the draft coming up, it is so easy to get caught up in the ego aspect of everything because it's there's so many accolades and lists and websites and social media and people have this many followers and blue checks and no, this person doesn't have a blue check. And you get so caught up in that and you could have stayed in that and you would have never been ha like you could reach the peak of the peak. Like, I don't know what the peak is, but you won an Emmy. So <laughs> you did something. Won right? Two. You won two Emmys. Oh, you I love that you just moved out of the way. That's a flex. That is a flex. I did want to ask you. What I told you I'm a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're allowed to show those off. What did you win them for? Um, one was actually a faith-based story that I did in Knoxville Love that. Um, on a Navy football player who actually passed away on the practice field. Um, oh and gosh. his parents are incredible human beings. So I did a story with them. And then my second one was for, um, NBA finals coverage when the Suns were in the finals two years ago. Love that. Oh, good times. Unfortunately, we have a Laker fan in, <laughs> in the building. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, I'm, I, I'm a big sense fan. Like I said, I'm from Arizona. So that had to have been a fun time in your life covering it that tre it, tremendous time, but that was the point in which I realized I am covering the NBA finals right now. And this is really cool. And I'm really grateful, really grateful for the opportunity but this is not what I thought it would be yeah. like that. The NBA finals, that was the turning point, like the official turning point for me wow. when I realized like there's no amount of, Oh, well, if I just got to this level or covered this event, it's not, it's, it's not going to fill me up. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't love that, that you went through that, but I love that you pointed that out because I experienced that a lot and not in the sense that like I want to leave my job. It has made me just lean in more to God and my purpose. And I have people all the time ask me like, what are your goals? Like, do you want a first round pick? Like how many clients do you want? What kind of money do you want to make? And it took me a long time to get to the point, but I can confidently say for the last three, four years of my career, I have not thought about those things once. And it's because I would experience something and it would be like this doesn't feel as good as I thought it would because I was doing it strictly to be able to tell people I did it or because I thought people told me that's what would fulfill me in this career and I remember when I finished law school I talked to my dad who's like just this like he's he's like a he could like write a book he's so profound but I was like you know when I started law school I thought when I finished it was gonna feel like 
I finished a like just like the greatest feeling top of the world Rocky style moment and it, it feels good don't get me wrong like I'm proud of myself but it doesn't feel like I thought it would and he was like you know it's because the journey's always better than the destination and once you get to the destination it's moved already and so now you're staring at what is next and it's always what is next what is next what it's next and so he taught me early on and, and reminded me in moments like that like you need to appreciate where you're at when you're there. He told me a story once about when he, he didn't get his first like nice car until he was like 47. He got a BMW. And when I was getting my first car, he bought me something nice and practical, but he did not let me get some crazy expensive car. He's like, you're gonna get something that's under warranty so I don't have to fix it, but it's not gonna be super nice. And I was like, I'm good with that, but you know, like why? And he's like, if I gave you a BMW right now, you would not appreciate it the way I appreciate mine because I have been to hell and back. And so this feels different than the 16 year old that's driving the BMW off the lot. And so all those like, you know, accolades and things that the world tells us we want, like you said, you get there and you kind of look around and you're like, I don't think I feel the way I'm supposed to feel in this moment or like I thought I would. Yeah, I actually have a similar experience with my dad, who is also profound. <laughs> when you and get them in the same the, room. <laughs> yes, yes. But I remember being, I don't, it, either in Colorado, I, I started, I went Virginia to Colorado to Tennessee to Arizona. So w wherever I was before I'd gotten to Phoenix, I was just constantly telling him, talking about how I was struggling because I felt like I was, you know, needed to make a jump and he, I was just always complaining about it. And he was like, Cheerson, if your mom and I had gone to a point and one of five kids. So he was like, if we would have said, you know, once we get that big house, then we'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Once we, once the kids are out of diapers, then we'll be happy. Once we have, uh, you know, the last kid and we know that our family's complete, then we'll be happy. He was like, you can sit there and pick apart so many aspects of life. And he was like, and me with my job as well. Once I get a higher paying job, then we'll be happy. Once we start this business, which they did, then we'll be happy. He was like, it's never going to make you happy. If you don't know how to be happy with where you're at at any given point in time, and sure, there's going to be seasons that are really tough where it's, you know, easier said than done. And, and maybe that is just a season where things are not going well for you. But if you sit there and constantly say, I'll be happy, I'll be joyful, I'll be how I want to be and how I want to show up when I get to the next level or have this accomplishment or, you know, have the house, have the marriage, have the whatever. He's like, you're going to spend your entire life miserable waiting for the next thing that you think is going to bring joy to your life or meaning to your life. And it's right where you're at, which is also kind of ties back into your, you know, where you're planted. Right. Exactly, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I had to have that moment. And that's why this ended up being the title, because when I was in Vegas, I I was purposely hating it and I was fighting it. And I'm thinking if I just get this and when this happens and when that happens and that day that it just hit me and I'm looking at the sunset in my car and I'm like, God's like, are you going to like try to make this work? And I'm like, OK. I've never, ever not loved Vegas since that day. And it was just like a, a switch in my mindset. And that's what's so great about being a follower of Christ is that we don't have to say, you know, I'll be happy when blah, blah, blah. We get to say, Christ died for me. I'm going to heaven, so I'm happy. Like, it's the other way around. And it's not based on circumstances or situations. It's, it's 
it, it crosses everything, generations, hardship, anything that you're doing, we're not attached to those things. And no matter what season we're in, all those things stay the same. And it's, it's my favorite. It's why I'm at peace all the time. It's my favorite aspect of living this worldly life is just being able to lean on that. And I, I wish everybody had that because there are people still in the industry you were in. And there's people in my industry that I see that are literally like physically making themselves sick because they think they can, they can work their way into happiness. And if they just get that one more client or if they just show up for that one more event, like it's going to happen. It's like, you're literally physically ill all the time because you cannot find peace in the fact that what is meant for you is going to find you if you just be obedient. I would say it's an epidemic in our industry. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. And I feel for anybody who's caught up in that, like, I feel for you because that's a tough life to live. You know, obviously we know that you're never going to reach that point, but like you mentioned, I, I've had coworkers, I've seen it firsthand as well, where you're literally making yourself sick, trying to pursue something, uh, just going way above and beyond what you should be putting yourself through just to try and reach something. And it's wreaking havoc mm -hmm. on your, your mental health, your physical health, your well-being as a whole, but you can't let it go. There, there's something in you that you just cannot let it go. And um, I've seen that way too many times in the industry. I have a couple more questions for you. The first one kind of on that same note is, We've talked about all the like difficulties and in, in choosing to walk away and the identity crisis and all that stuff. Did you feel though relieved when you finally made the decision and you said, this is what I'm doing and you walked away? I felt a tremendous amount of relief. It's, it's this weird feeling and I'm still, I'm still in it because mm -hmm. I haven't, <clears throat> it hasn't been that long. Yeah. It's been like, you know, like eight weeks or so where I'm still trying to figure everything out, but God has, and, and I'm also very, um, you know, as a driven person, I, I don't want to ever fail either. And I do want to, like, I've got goals and, and so like I'm, I'm goal oriented and I want to do things. And so it's difficult when something's like taking a little while and there's a process to it. And, you know, I'll run into people and they're like, um, oh my gosh, like what now, what are you doing now? Like, or, you know, and, and that, I'm like, like pity oh, face. I'm just getting yeah. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I know. Uh, just kind of getting started with things You're like, oh, how's that going? Well, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm still, uh, so, uh, you know, it's been difficult, but at the same and not knowing truly like, I'm being pulled in several directions, like really where I'm going to end up. I, I don't know. Like, and you even mentioned like, well, maybe you'll end up back at some point in full-time sports. But I, that could be yeah. a possibility at some point. Right. So like, I really don't fully know the direction that my life is heading in and that can take a toll on you, but in with all the anxiety and, and maybe some hard times, some rocky times that I've been through in the last call it two months, I have simultaneously had an unexplainable amount of peace, like a, just a God-given peace over my life and where it's headed. And I feel like throughout this entire process, I have been put into rooms, certain doors have opened that are sort of like, 
I call them like little, like either God winks or nudges, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you just a reminder that like, you're, you're heading in the right direction. Like you're, you didn't make a mistake making that decision, right? I'm not only going to give you peace, but I'm going to show you in small ways that you're heading in the right direction. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, my small group and I talk a lot about ambition and being driven and and how difficult that can be and what is like the fine line and how to navigate that as a believer because we we don't want to be tied to our worldly ambition that just says like I want to make more money and I want to have accomplishments, but we also view it as a like a gift to pursue the things that God wants us to like with an excitement and um, an effort that not everyone has, but it's definitely something that I still haven't fully figured out because I grew up just wanting to achieve everything. And that was what brought me what I thought joy. And then having to reel it in and be like, I have to follow what God says, not just like this checklist that I want to do, but that I can see why that would be a struggle. Like just wanting to see progress all the time when you're kind of in a season of God being like, just wait, I got something for you, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not yet. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, you also, like I mentioned though, you have to sit, keep yourself afloat, right? Because yeah. there's no just guaranteed paycheck coming in. Right. So yeah. like a little bit of it is like, there's a fire underneath me. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have to like succeed in, in quicker rather than later. So there's like a combination of that, but I love that aspect of it too, where I'm like, turn up the heat. Like, yeah. let's do this. That's just who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an adrenaline rush. I love that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. It's called Cheers the Day, correct? So it that was one yeah. of the things so, that you wanted to do when you walked away. So what is it about? What can people expect? Um, what? Tell me everything about like how you got to the point of wanting to start it and then starting it. So I had this idea probably a couple of years ago that just like it popped up into my head and I gave it no attention because I'm like, I can't, I couldn't possibly start my own podcast right now. I'm doing, doing too many things. Um, so when I decided I was going to walk away, the idea popped back into my head and I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to still do something media related. And really what I love about my job and what drew me to it in the first place was making connections with people and getting to talk with people and hear more about their lives and their journeys. And so I was like, this is a great way to stay in that. The other aspect of what I did in my employer that I walked away from, um, it was a lot of critiquing athletes and there, Mm, I, you know, I get that that's part of just the world, right? Like it's, it's a, you know, it's the point of it is to win. And when you don't, you've got fan bases that are upset and, and I get it. Wins and losses are a part of it and you critique their performances and that's a part of media sports media. But I got to a point where I was just like, I don't want to sit here and wake up every day, just critiquing somebody. And, you know, like the teams here in Arizona specifically, uh, some teams just aren't, just aren't performing well. Arizona sports are historically bad. I'll just say it for you (laughs) as an Arizona sports fan. We have it rough. (laughs) And so I would show up every day, uh, you know, just like, that's what I had to talk about. And you have to pick people apart and say why they're not doing well and say what they need to be doing better. And I just, I just hit a point where I was just like, I want to be creating content that is, 
valuable, that's inspiring, that's educational, that is when somebody listens to it, they're getting something positive out of it. And so that was sort of what totally kind of solidified it for me. Yes, I'm going to do this podcast. Most everybody I've had on has a sports tie because that's my background. <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to be that's that your way. Network. To... Yeah, yeah, but that's exactly. where God has placed you is in that community. And like you said, they don't always get the chance to tell those stories. So I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah, no, it's not. It just was an unexpected part of it because I was like, no, it's not going to be sports related at all. Then turns out, well, everyone on is, is from the sports world. But <laughs> um, yeah, so the the idea of cheers the day is, you know, if you're cheersing to something, you know, kind of like toasting or raising a glass to a, a, a special occasion, a big accomplishment. But what would it mean hypothetically if we just kind of raise a glass to every day that we're blessed to live and really, uh, you know, taking a moment to appreciate every aspect of life and the value of life and, you know, hear people's journeys and stories and all the amazing things that, uh, that go on in this world and in this life. So that's the premise for the podcast. And I just started it January 1st and I've had an absolute blast getting to do it. And I feel like I, I can walk away from every episode knowing and feeling, okay, there's at least one person that's going to listen to this and get something positive out of it. Yeah. I can relate to that completely. And as a warning, you can get caught up in, again, the comparison thing, but just stick to that because like you said, like about what I said earlier, like someone needs to hear what you're saying, what your guests are saying, and God will bring the people to it that are meant to be on there to tell stories that need to be told. And so even if you have one listener of an episode, as long as it's fulfilling you and it's serving others, it's, it's absolutely worth it. I know. I told myself you cannot you cannot get hung up on the amount of listeners. Just no. keep doing your thing. Cause starting a podcast is like, you know, you're starting from zero. Like yeah. I feel like, I feel like you're lucky if you've got like a solid, you know, hundred listeners, an episode or yeah. whatever, get into numbers. But like, and when I, I would hit that, I was ecstatic. I was like a hundred people listen. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and I'll, I'll just say this, like to affirm you and just to remind you, I, it's funny. Cause like God just put this on my heart. Like a week ago, I was at something at Super Bowl, and I was thinking about again, that aspect of what if I walked away or what if I had no clients or what if all my clients fired me? Like, I just was like going down this like rabbit hole and God was like, you are not an agent because you have clients. You're an agent because I've called you to do that. I call you that. So you are a storyteller and you are like these gifts that you have are not because of a job title. So whether you're doing it in a podcast, you're doing it just one-on-one -on -one in a coffee shop, like you are that because God called you that and not because it's on a business card or you get to put it in your Instagram bio. So just keep going because you do a great job. I love that. And I probably needed to hear that. And I, I very much appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I, I I say it sincerely. So very last question. I've never I don't I, I think I've asked a couple people this, but what would you call this season that you're currently planted in right now? If you could title it. What would I call it? Um... I would call it a season of new beginnings. I love that. Yeah. I, everything in my life is different from where it was this time last year. And I just had a birthday a couple of days ago and really was reflecting on 
Oh my gosh. At this time last year, every aspect of my life was different. And so it took me a little while to kind of get to this point and start this year off differently, but my life has changed drastically. And there's a lot of things up in the air, like I mentioned. So I feel like it's a season of new beginnings with a lot of unknowns. (laughs) I like that. That's exciting. You know, you and I have talked about it on your podcast, but I just think that's such an exciting space to be in because I just imagine God like up there, like rubbing his hands, like, oh, she has no idea what I'm about to do next. So I wish you all the luck with everything, not luck, but I'll, I'll pray for you. I know that you're going to do great things. I admire you so much. Like I said, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I know somebody needs to hear that it's okay to walk away from something that they thought was their dream. So thank you so much for everything that you shared today. Molly, thank you so much for having me on. I feel like I could talk to you forever. (laughs) Uh, We just barely know each other. I know. I love our conversations every time we have them. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Um, As always, please remember to like, subscribe, review on the platforms that you listen on. You can find um, us on where you're at, at where you're planted podcast. I will put Cheerston's information and her podcast in the show notes for this. So you guys can find her there as well. And I will see you guys next time.